Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for part four of our big picture exploration of exactly what the show Criminal Minds is. Uh, we are up to one of the biggest issues, I think, is that is right to have with the show. The show's inconsistent themes. Yeah. And, oh boy, are there plenty of those. Yes. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day. It's embarrassing because I can't tell you what show I was talking. Oh no, I was talking about Fargo. You know, I love Fargo. Yeah. Uh, and I was talking about how like one of the things that makes the show so effective is how it is so very clear what the show is about. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing that separates in a way, the thing that separates art from just content and entertainment is, are you about something? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to say? And that is what that has, you know, bedeviled us so frequently with Criminal Minds is how apparent it is that the show has no idea what it's trying to say from minute to minute. Yeah, that's true. And as I said, and and seeing as I just finished listening to to the last season of Beyond Borders, it's one thing it didn't lack. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Beyond Borders has very clear <laughs> themes. Kazuntite. <laughs> uh, those themes might be toxic. Those te themes might be horrifying. But it is absolutely saying them. Mask off very clearly. Mm -hmm. All right. But here. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, we have two big themes. Yeah. With inconsistent things. And we call, I, I've, I've dubbed them lack of a moral center yes which is what comes out right yeah. when you it's inconsistently you want to be able to figure it out and and then of course the issue of how it deals with child abuse yeah so we'll start off with the the moral center because i think that's a, a logical place to start mm -hmm. this up and i think there's a, a perfect example of it about how the show lost its its moral center after the early days of the show yeah. because right in the and in, you can say that well they were just trying to get rid of her but look at um look at uh we'll, we'll talk about ellen a second but first yeah. let's talk about yeah. something from literally i think a perfect example because it's literally the first and the last episode of the show cover this yeah, that's that's bizarre. That is bizarre. I mean, talk about bookending your show. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they realized what they were doing. But no, it is, of course not. No, of course not. What am I saying? So, what are you saying? Literally, the first episode of the show, when we meet Jason Gideon, he is just teaching. Right? Mm -hmm. He is. He is not an FBI agent. He's not in the field. He's not working with, like, he's not working with any of the profile. He's not working with any of the teams. He's just teaching. Because he has been so traumatized that he ma made a bad call with Bale, the insane bomber. And he sent in, without having the, like, he thought it was such a priority to get the hostages out. That he sent in his team to go and get them out before he was 100% sure that the bombs weren't going to go off. Yeah. Right? And the bombs went off and the hostages died and six FBI agents died. And he had to go away for almost a year. He was full of self-doubt. He was he tortured himself over this. It was the kind of mistake that you maybe can't recover from. And you can make the argument, since Mandy Patinkin had to lead the show, that 
Damn. That plus his girlfriend dying that time really drove him to a point where he couldn't keep doing the job. Yeah. Right? So you've got a horrific thing hap uh, happens. He's responsible. He feels un like this horrible, like, like he can never make it better. And he's crushed by that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Then, 15 seasons later... Emily Prentice now has his job and a decision she makes gets five FBI agents killed in a bombing in a mirror image of what Jason Gideon did that drove him out of profiling, right? Like it is a perfect yeah. mirror image, could not be closer, right? Yeah. And what is Emily Prentice's reaction, right? Yes. She demands that she keeps her job. Yes. She understands she will no longer be in the running for director of the FBI. Yeah. But she doesn't even ask. She demands. Yeah. That she Excuse me. Job. Have I been, do I still have my job? Yes. Well, then I have to get back to work. Yeah. That is her response to her superiors coming to talk to her about five FBI agents getting killed on her watch. Her response is, well, unless I'm fired, I need to get back to work. No, no flagellation, you know, <laughs> no self-doubt, no, no phoning those family, the family members of those FBI agents, nothing. Just. No, it's not acknowledged. Yeah. Anywhere. Now, of course, this gets to my, so is Emily a stand-in for the showrunner? <laughs> Just to go back to the lawsuit, I don't know if I brought, you know, but just to go, you just yeah. wonder. Yeah, no, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. Wasn't my fault. Well, I mean, I didn't do anything the thing stupid. Is, it's like, um, not just the showrunner, right? See, not just that Emily's a stand in for the showrunner specifically, but is she a stand in for the show itself? Like, the show as an entity. So, like, imagine the show itself is an entity, right? Okay. So is she is she in that moment saying, we're not responsible for any bad things that happen on our watch? Like, not just a single person, but the show itself bears no responsibility for bad things that happen in the production of the show. And I know it's hard to watch this last season without thinking about the lawsuit that we found out yeah. about during the last season. But this scene, like, makes it seem like we're not just reading into things. Like, this scene makes it seem like, no, we will not, like, the one thing that is a fact is we will not be held accountable. I really do think the government, the government of California should listen to our podcast <laughs> whenever we discuss these. Just in case they need some backup. Yeah, just backup. in case they need some backup or they miss some stuff. Well, because, again, it comes down to... Yeah. What is your level of responsibility? And like... For what happens in your workplace. For what... Exactly. For what happens I, in your workplace. When you are the boss, to what extent are you responsible for what happens downstream of you? Right? Even if you personally did nothing, what is your role as supervisory special agent? Or in the world of television production, executive producer. Right? And it's just so weird to see... Like in, like who could have imagined there would be such a perfect pairing of it, you know? Yeah, it's so it's so weird. It's like 
all of the questions and everything else that we had going along in the show. Yes. There are so many different issues and so many problems, silly things like, well, geez, maybe some of the prop guys were, you know, quit <laughs> know. and then and didn't bother training their fur their their replacements because they wanted to get the friggin' hell out. Yeah. Um, and nobody bothered, you know, overseeing any of that. To mm-hmm. um uh, you know, as I said, the little and then the big things. Yeah. Like it tells you that there is a quote lack of moral center yeah. in that that's what's so funny. It tells you there's a lack of moral center in the show itself, but there's also a lack of a moral center in the production of the show, like in the overall um um what's it just the just that's it. The overall production, like the whole thing, mm-hmm. nobody even thinks about consequences. And yeah, they don't think and about no- consequences either. And it's like, it's about what show, what message the show is sending, but also, well, what does this mean for the production in real life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it goes beyond just the, our question about messaging. Cause it goes to, well, how does this affect people in the real world? Well, yes. And because they don't care about what happens to people, their people in the real world, why that would they bleeds care? bleeds into the, the fictional people in the show. Yeah, it bleeds into the fictional people in the show and the whole construction. Right? And I think the very fact that it bookends, right? Yeah. Is so like, illustrative. Yeah, of that. That, that in the first, it, you have an entirely different... Um, I guess uh, moral theories. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but an entire different production staff, right? Uh, and, and almost entirely different production staff. Well, yeah, when it ended to when it started. Yeah, and then once, um, once Bernero left. Yeah, and we've we've sort of charted that as we go along mm-hmm. in the show. You could see it, and you would you start wondering and wondering, and then it gets worse and worse and worse. And well, worse. and I mean, I think the best example, well, not best example, but I think a prime example of this, right, is you look at um, Criminal Minds suspect behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And they, here is a show that is so completely obsessed with that that extra level of moral responsibility. Yeah. I mean, to a fault at times during the demon <laughs> scene, but it's like, it showed you that what Ed Bernero cared about most was the character stuff and what is the inner life and what doing this work does to you. And that stuff, and I'll yeah. admit it, you can go back in my reviews. I didn't get that the first time I watched it. I'm not going to say I'm infallible and I figured this out already. I didn't get that the first time I watched it. I didn't understand what they were doing with Mick the first time and why it's so important that he doesn't shoot anybody in the show. Yep. Because it's a show that is so concerned about moral responsibility. Yeah. And that is very clear. And I think that what happened was he lost the battle in Criminal Minds. Absolutely. And so he left. And yeah. And suspect behavior didn't get renewed. And then, so he was just like, okay, fine. I'll go do something else. Yeah. 
And he tried to get a Punisher show going. And then, well, there's some other stuff that happened. We're not going to talk about that. No, we're not going to talk about that. I think we've probably talked about it. Oh, no, we've talked about it. When we we were talking about suspect behavior. Oh, yeah. Like that. I mean, the very fact that they didn't end it. I mean, it tells you something about CBS, which is ultimately the parent company. Although I'm going to say, I would have been in now in retrospect. At the time, it seemed like a bad idea. But in retrospect, given how much like the moral theory of all of this is what he cares about. I would be interested to see his take on the Punisher and what he was going to try to say about, okay, well, what is the moral theory of vigilantism? Yeah. I mean, it would have, and it would have been at least interesting. Yes. It would have been interesting because that is one of these things that is also part of the lack of moral consistency well that's what i I thought that was actually a nice segue (laughs) to jump into what we're going to talk about next with the lack of moral uh consistency because we can say that it was just an attempt to get her off the show but in the first season uh sorry in the second season l kills somebody yeah right l kills a guy and he was a serial rapist i'm not going to say he didn't deserve to get shot absolutely he deserved to get shot uh but she decides to quit the job and Aaron comes and he talks to her and he says something that I've previously said. That's, you know, not where I already made this point in the past, but he said something that a real FBI agent would never say, which is if I could prove that you killed this guy, you'd be going to jail, but I'm going to give you, uh, your options are come back and work through this with therapy with me, uh, with get therapy, come back, I will watch you like a hawk and make sure you get through this or just quit the FBI. And she quits the FBI. Yeah. And those are the two options he gives her. And what's so interesting about it is that you, you are staking down and what it goes down to Ed Bernier trying to say something about moral responsibility and ethics, because as I pointed out, the FBI covers this kind of stuff up. When the FBI agents kill somebody, the FBI covers it up. There's no question. That's just okay, what they but, do. Okay, he, but you know what? What when when, when we're talking about this, what I think, like I'm trying to think in terms of Hotch. Yeah. For Hotch, this is the real issue. This is not the FBI's issue. Yeah. So in this, in this, Hotch is sort of um, not the corporate guy that he usually is. No. In that, in that, in the sense that you're talking about it, and that's interesting. I don't. It's well, it. And I think it's I hadn't because, thought about that. I don't think before. But I think you're right, and I think it's because Hotch is taking moral responsibility for the fact that he, as her supervisor, failed to see how close to the edge she was. Yeah. After getting shot in the season yep. ender, he should. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. She should not have been allowed. Back, back in the field so quickly no matter what she wanted and it exactly and it troubles him and yeah. he's to a certain extent haunted by it mm-hmm. right and it's a very good character moment and again even if it was just written to get her to get an actor off the show which yeah. seems to be why that all that happened it was done well yeah right it really was it was done well so the question becomes what happens in season eight when Joe Montaigne murders Mark Hamill. Yeah. Guess what? You know, there is nothing. There's nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Like no one really like, maybe he didn't tell anybody it happened, 
You know, maybe. But at the same time, there's no consequences. There's no consequence for him professionally. There's no consequence from, like, no one gives him a talking to. Because who would be in a position to give him a talking to among these characters? Right? (laughs) You know, it's like, who in this, who in this cast could in any way, you know, get, like, play the moral trump card over, uh, over David Rossi? Right? I.E. take the moral high ground. Take the moral high ground. Exactly. Like, I don't know of a single character in the show who's in a position to do that. No, because, well, and the fact is they all worship David David Rossi. Exactly. Like, he is the, he is the founder of profiling. He is the guy who invented what they all do. So, you know, what he does, it has to be, you know, it has to be infallible. And you can say, maybe they didn't know about it. Maybe they didn't know, and maybe he never told anybody that he killed Mark Hamill. Maybe when the guys took the thing apart, uh, they didn't realize that he had been locked, uh, right? And I don't know what he told them, because when last we saw, Mark Hamill was coming down to find him, and then Mark Hamill somehow got locked in his own room with the bomb. And we have to assume David Rossi just didn't tell anybody what he did that time. But then he does it again. Yeah, you know, no, 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 no. And this is, this is, this is what I say. They go, they go back, you know, so this is the man who, oh, yes, he kills the man who killed Gideon. Yeah. And Just, no, and again, mm-hmm. no blowback. No, no, no blow. nothing. It is, That's just To fine. be fair, when the, uh, when the OPR comes to talk to Hotch, when he's been accused by, um, Mr. Scratch of being in on crime, they do mention, they do mention that he let David Rossi get away with killing the Birdman, right? Yeah. It does come up, but again, there were no consequences for that at the time, and after he gets cleared of his being part, the the ridiculous idea that he was part of a domestic terror cell, after he gets cleared of that suspicion... Uh, there's no blowback for the legitimately bad things he did when he was letting his team run wild. Like, once he's been cleared of the most insane uh, accusation against him, everything else just gets swept under the rug when, no, uh, I mean, we love you, Hotch, but you didn't manage this team great all the time. No. And, And it's like when JJ kills the... The cryonic freeze man. Yeah. And there's no consequences whatsoever. Like they open up this path for JJ's character to go down to, right, uh, to actually deal with her trauma and get help and figure out what is wrong with her. That all of this, that she resorted can't to killing get over him. This. Yeah. She can't get over the torture, right? She can't yeah. get over the torture, losing a child. And she decides to kill a man to deal with her, to help deal with her own stuff. Yeah. And then there's no consequences for that of any kind. It's yeah. never mentioned again. Yep. Yeah. It just keeps, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I called this the fall. Yeah. <laughs> like I, in, in some ways, this is all the fall from yeah. the very beginning you can look at that first season and you've got a sense and we'll get to that with the second issue big yeah. issue that we're going to deal with so i've just called it the fall yeah so that this 
lack of a moral framework actually takes over the show. Yes. Um, and it is, um, it, yeah, it's so problematic. And with David and I was thinking, it's like, I guess I'm still stuck in, well, no, I'm not stuck in. We're talking about what does this tell us again about America? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can see why this show started in the first place. You look at Beyond Borders and say, how the hell did it get greenlit? <laughs> no. And then you go, then you go back to this and you're going, yeah, David can do no wrong. And technically Gideon could do no wrong because they started this idea of profiling. Yeah. Okay. So is that like, okay, you, you look at the founders of something and they never made a mistake? Oh, no, I don't that's think that's an that, interesting tie-in. Yeah, no, it, it, that hmm. that's what's so funny. Like, I, it's you think they didn't make a mistake. Why are you going back? Yeah. Why do you keep going back to this? No, people are responsible for what they do now. Mm-hmm. And Dave, Dave, David does this. David easily. Um, just basically he is judge jury and executioner yes and nobody has a problem with it mm-hmm. he is a he is he is a vigilante in in a number of cases because there's more issues oh, but yeah. they don't deal with the the killing but um who who has sort of the badge of the fbi the halo of the fbi around mm-hmm. him and we've talked about, you know, the godlike nature of the FBI. Yeah. Um, the idea that the yeah, FBI is, like, cannot be questioned. No, and it is it is a consistent. We we move on then. Okay, what happens with Emily? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Ian Doyle. So if they're bad guys, it's okay. Yeah. Because it's not like no Emily wasn't going to kill Ian Doyle. Like, that was her plan. Yeah. Her plan was to murder Ian Doyle. Yeah. And you can say, well, Ian Doyle's a really bad guy. He murdered entire families, blah, 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 blah. That's true. Uh, yeah. 100%. But it's all, but they've been, you know, spoiler alert, up against people who are worse than Ian Doyle in the past. Yeah. Right? Uh, without going to execute them. But instead, her plan is, no, I'm going to settle this myself because it's my responsibility I'm the one who set him down this course, so I'm going to wrap it all up. But again, really, you're saying that you've internally justified what you did, and now to have to keep other people... Essentially, you're trying to avoid public responsibility for what you did with Ian Doyle by just killing him and wrapping it up. Because if you told everybody about uh, Ian Doyle, they'd have a much easier time being safe from the threat of Ian Doyle. Mm Mm-hmm. But she doesn't tell them because she doesn't want people to... She wants to, again, avoid taking responsibility for her actions in the past. We can debate whether or not what she did with infiltrating Ian Doyle and faking his family's death and turning him over to the North Koreans. We can debate whether that was moral. But the fact that she doesn't want to find anybody to find out she did it suggests she's kind of... She thinks it's questionable. Yeah. Yeah, I think she does. And that goes to... Because she cared about him, blah, 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 Yeah, blah. yeah, we all know why. You can listen to our <laughs> we Ian Doyle just, episodes. Yeah, go back and listen to that. that. But yeah, but again, 
you know, this is, this is just fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, why Reed killed what's his face? Who was it played the role? Who, who are we talking uh, about? The man who was torturing Derek. Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> it's like when they come to see the guy who was torturing Derek. Yeah. I don't remember that actor's name. He's been in a bunch and yeah. Reed just shoots him, shoots him in the yeah. back. You know? <laughs> Before well, like, this... he's not, he's not about to kill Derek. He's not a thing. He just runs up and shoots the it's man. It's done. It's all over. Yeah. And Reed kills him. And mm-hmm. again, no, no consequences. Well, no, because of, oh, 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 I, I know. It's because they're a family. Yeah. It's because they're a family and family can take capital punishment into its own hands, I guess. Oh, absolutely. You know, you it's know? like you're, you're allowed to do whatever if you're, you know, closing the books on someone who hurt your family. Well, then, mm-hmm. then all of the regular morality goes right out the window, apparently. Yes. At least in the world of the show. In, we're, well, we're, yeah, we're talking. We're we're talking about the show, mm-hmm. and you don't, as I said, that's not there in the beginning, for sure. No, that's certainly not there in the beginning. Like, there's this, no question. And um, so, and then let's talk about uh, the one that doesn't fit, as I call it, doesn't fit the pattern. No. And that's when Hodge kills the Reaper. Yes. And that is more justified than Reed killing the man who was torturing Derek. Oh, absolutely. That's more justified than Emily and Ian Doyle. Mm-hmm. Or any of David's kills. Yep. And, but in this case, Hotch has to pay a huge price. Yep. I think somebody didn't like Thomas Gibson on this show. <laughs> it does seem that way, doesn't it? Well, and it's fascinating because he really is, like, morally, like, he does seem haunted by what he did. Yeah, forever after. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating about it. Yeah. Like, um, go on. No, no, I was saying that he really does seem like it's, it's stuck with him and it affects his relationship with his son and it affects who he is as a person, right? It's not... Yeah. It's not, he shot, the, he beat this guy. I mean, partially you can say, well, beating a man to death is pretty intense. And it is, right? And he yeah. knows he goes too far, uh, he went too far with it. And he knows, and he couldn't stop himself because his wife was dead. And this was a horrific situation. Yeah. I, and I everybody totally gets blamed. Get well, yes, but maybe in this show, if he had taken a gun with him and shot the Reaper, it would have been okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you're right. That might have been the- If you look- if you look at all of the other ones, they all take a gun and they shoot people. Yeah. That's true. Whereas and him, doing, is, him yeah. doing it with his bare hands was just too much for everyone. Jeez. Yeah. That is a bit much, isn't it? Yeah. When you, when you think about it. When you think about it from different aspects, you just go like... Okay, let's 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 move ourselves forty five degrees this way, and how does it look from here? <laughs> oh yeah, uh huh. So no, Hotch should have taken a gun. Yeah, should have shot the Reaper the first minute he saw him. Yep, not gotten into a huge fight with him, and then that would not been that. Been a, everything would have been just fine. <laughs> God, oh, this God. show. No, it's questionable. Some, I mean, it really is questionable what they're going mm-hmm. for there. 
Uh, God, it's it's a powerful scene though. Like, uh, oh no, it's it it no, it was powerful. I am not. Yeah, you're not questioning that. I'm not questioning that. What I am questioning is why that... does every other instance where something like this happens, they yeah. get a pass except for the time it happened to Hodge? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they make point. sure they make sure when Ed Asner as his father-in-law comes mm-hmm. that we're reminded of it one more time. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you well, yeah. you got my daughter killed. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? Like we're never allowed to forget what happened. What yeah. happened to Haley, what happened with the Reaper, and what he did. And like, and how, and this is the interesting point there. Like, Hotch is the one time where getting revenge doesn't really accomplish anything. His wife's still dead, right? His wife's mm-hmm. still dead. He still has this, you know, messed up relationship with his son where he can't connect the way he tries to, right? Because Again, if anything, Hotch probably feels like he is more dangerous after doing yes. this to kill the Reaper. Yeah. Because, because this is his father in him. Yeah, that this, killed the Reaper. exactly. That's yeah. what I, and it's like the show really does have its eyes on his character with some consistency. And it echoes down for the next six seasons that Hotch is on the show. And by comparison, again, we have to go back to. We have to go back to David for whom there are never any consequences for any of the things he does. Even when he goes off by himself, it all works out well. Yes. Even when he goes, I'm going to handle this on my own. Yep. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Fine, Dave. You go take that. You go deal with it. You don't want to come to work. Yeah. Fine. Don't come to work. Go deal with it. You know, go deal with the, the face off situation on your own. Oh, the face off killer. That is that is pretty terrible. So here is here is another question, right? Okay. Which is, and we're going to move on to the next moral consistency issue, which is, what is going on with all of the times, like, sometimes they're happy to kill suspects, yep. and sometimes they are desperate to keep suspects from killing themselves. Yeah. And I don't understand it at all. Like, I don't understand what they're trying to say there. Because sometimes they'll shoot people, and sometimes they will talk people out of getting, yeah. uh, of like, of getting killed. Yeah. And I can't even tell you that, like, if you go and look at it, and you're going, okay, well, is there something about what the person did that means they're going to try and get them to not commit suicide no that doesn't there, there's no. no rationale for that except the writers decided this time they're not going to let they're, they're they're going to kill they're going to kill the villain instead of talking them out of it yeah but they also talk yeah because it's this talking them out of suicide and then the reasons and the rationale for talking them out of suicide and you're just going are you crazy <laughs> sometimes do you not know who you are dealing with? This mm-hmm. person would prefer suicide by cop. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, then we've got one of the, the strangest twists on that formula. When Reed tra- talks a guy into killing himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy who had written all the violent sexual fantasies. 
And then the twisted guy who decided to make those fantasies a reality and the guy went and confronted him and they got into a fight and he killed that guy quite reasonably. The guy was a rapist and serial killer. Yeah. Like it's quite reasonable. He killed him. And he's like, I'm a broken man now. There's nothing left. I'm just going to live out my fantasies. This is someone who could have been talked out. Yes. Of everything. And Reed's take is to talk him into killing himself. To trigger him into doing this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand your moral worldview show. If you've got one of the characters trying to get someone who is one of the most savable people they've ever encountered. Right. One of those people. Like to kill himself. Like what, what are you getting at? Yeah, well, you know, and here, here's here's something because we will get to this when we talk about Spencer Reed, the person. Oh, of course, of course. Um, right, we will talk about this as well. And there's going to be a whole, and just FYI, in case we haven't mentioned it yet, there's going to be a whole Spencer Reed show. Just one just, show on just talking about Spencer Reed. You know, because you can you can think about that in terms of Spencer Reed, which we will do. Oh yeah. But the problem is, is that. That's not what we're talking about. And the show, sure as hell, there is none of us, neither one of us, excuse me. Yeah. I don't know about other people, but neither (laughs) one of us thinks that the writers of this show had any idea what they were doing with Spencer Reed. No. No, And that it could create this, this very complex character. And so... But yeah, I mean, it's just up and down. They have a discussion in some episodes about this. It's just like, make up your mind. Yeah. Figure out what you're doing. Yeah. Figure out. Okay. Is, is suicide? Yeah. uh, An option. If it's an option, fine. But, Mm -hmm. you know, do, are you allowed to kill people? Well, obviously they can kill people whenever they do, they make the moral decision that or whatever decision it is. I don't <laughs> Sometimes it ain't moral. Decision. Yeah, you can go and kill somebody if you want, but heaven forbid that somebody kill themselves. Yeah, because they they do talk people out of suicide, and why? Okay, because you think suicide is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and then there's, of course, David's whole, we, we get David's Oof. whole thing with suicide. Well, that's, well, that almost being, being the good Catholic that he is, that it, he is. Okay, I a, understand. It comes from an understandable place. The problem is not that as a good Catholic, he cannot, you know, bring himself to accept, to help his wife commit suicide as she's, you know, quickly getting worse in this horrible genetic disorder she has. and. The question becomes, okay, well, it's it's all well and good that you won't help her kill herself, but why do they does the show have her say that makes him a good person? Yeah. Why because does, yeah. obviously she thinks suicide is going to send her to hell? Yeah. You know, we've talked about this and and of course, but it's so that, that they can let David off the hook. Mhm. I mean, that that's that's basically it. So there's no consistency there either no and then because you're right they will talk uh, <laughs> yeah they will kill people but they will also they they will kill people they will also 
drive people to suicide. They will also talk people out of suicide. And they will also make this big moral judgment that suicide itself is the most immoral act. Yeah. All in the same show. Yeah. Sometimes the the same same characters. Yeah. You know, and you're just sort of sitting there going, yeah, no, they didn't have a Bible for this this TV <laughs> show. That's for sure. No themes, no Bible, no attempt to say anything. I mean, uh, as we talk about Prodigal Son more and more, you really have to learn to appreciate when a show has a message in mind. Yeah, when it has, it has a center. Mm-hmm. And, and the struggles that people have maintaining these codes they have these these codes Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's i mean if if you saw people in this show thinking about it or having a problem with it yeah right having a problem with some of the things that they did um or anything ever like it's not even it the, the i swear to god you know it's just in those first couple of seasons you know, with between Hotch. I mean, because one of the things, of course, with Hotch and L is that L still can't understand that she, what she did wrong. Yeah. Like she has no sense that that there was anything wrong with what she did. No. And, um, you know, so therefore she can't respond to Hotch. She doesn't want to take the time. God mm-hmm. only knows where she ended up. Right. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> But it is, uh, it it definitely is problematic because we have the second part now, which is, uh, okay, some, some victims can kill their attackers or their abusers Mm -hmm. and some people can't. Yeah. And. Right. And we can't figure out. What the line is. Where the line is. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sometimes you can say, okay, well, this is. This was that one with Penelope, right? Mm-hmm. This was Penelope's friend. So I guess they're going to let her get away with it. But then other times, it, when it seems like perfectly justified that that person killed their abuser. Yep. It's perfectly justified. It's either immoral or they won't let them do it. Or Well, I think the best example of it, of it is the, the guy who had to live through conversion therapy. Oh my God. That horrific episode about mm-hmm. the guy who was, you know, told that he was a monster for being gay and brutally tortured and forced to have sex with a woman. And now he, he tries to be attracted to women and he can't make it work. Yeah. And he is just like, takes out all of the rage he has for that. Obviously on the women who are failing to, help him be normal and it's terrifying and then of course he kills men too because he can't deal with his attraction to men and it's yeah. he's such a tragic figure like yeah. he really is because he has been brutalized and transformed into a monster by his father and by this system of trying to make children straight, straight. like make gay children straight like destroy who they are and rebuild someone new well, what you rebuilt in this case was a monster. And then at the end of the episode, you're just like, come on, just let him kill his dad. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm normally on the side of vigilanteism, but he's going to jail forever anyway. Yes. Just let, so- him, let him kill his dad, for God's sake. Yes. 
<laughs> At least he might be able to sleep a little better afterwards. Knowing that man is dead. Knowing that this guy isn't going to cause any more problems. Oh, that episode. It was so rough. It was but so yeah. rough. And but, it's... But then you get the the kidnapper who had, you know, uh, brutalized, you know, who had who had raped and tortured and driven to suicide this child. Yeah. Right? And then, oh, the mother shoots him and everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, no issue there. No uh, problem whatsoever. Fine. We all, we all co-sign that action completely. Yeah, we're gonna, hi- we're gonna, you know, because it wasn't even, you can't even say it was in the moment. Nope. No, no, no it was no, all done. This was first degree. Everybody, like the man was under arrest. The situation was over. He, like the gun is on the ground. She made the choice to pick up the gun and shoot him rather than let him be arrested. Yeah. I mean, you can, you might say she didn't have a lot of premeditation, so maybe it was only second degree murder, but still it was murder. And the implication at the end of the show is she gets a pass. She gets a pass. The thing that has happened to her is bad enough that she gets a pass. Yeah, well, yeah, and why, so why don't all of them get a pass? That's the real Always, question. And that's the real question. You know, you, th- I mean, people listening to this may think we're making too big a deal of it, I, I wonder. Because, they, you know, there's, there's this idea that somehow or another this is, well, it's just a TV show. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it has, it is saying something whether it wants to, um, whether it knows it or not, and people who listen to this, uh, we talk about the power of television. We talk about the power of social media. We talk about the power of um, belief systems. Yes. Right? And when you look at this, and we're looking at this after we know about the lawsuit. Yeah. After, Like this is, we've seen the whole show. The lawsuit has come out. We have gone through beyond borders. Mm, God, have we ever. Right? And, oh, yeah, you know, the abomination that is. Um, we have been through this, these these things, and they are all saying things. Yep. Now, as I have said before, Erica Messer, in one of her, I will repeat it again because it bears repeating, talks about how, no, these were all supposed to be independent episodes <laughs> and they had no interconnection with one another. That's, that was her envisioning of this show. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's not that simple. No, you you can't just say, this is not a comedy. No, this is about what, li- this is a show that is supposed to be about life and death situations. Yeah. This is supposed a show that is supposed to have. It does it not exist have. in a vacuum. No. And it does have an impact, whether you know the impact it is having on you. More importantly, yeah. Like whether you whether you are paying attention to the show and saying, I think this is the way the world should be, consciously or not, it is modeling behavior and modeling yeah. morality, whether it means to or not. Yeah. And, and that is dead. You, you know, you're sort of sitting there going, yep. Yeah. Um, and I just don't understand 15 years. Okay. It's had a couple of short years, but it years. was 15, it was 15 years and it did. And I, I'm more and more just going, so is this show mirroring in some bizarre way? 
the United States. Um, and we'll, I, I, we're going to have to discuss that later because sometimes I think it is, I, I do think somehow or another, there is a whole bunch of people that don't want to think about about this kind of thing and in fact people don't like like we have gotten sort of response geez i never thought about that show (laughs) yeah once i started listening to your i've had not not necessarily emails but people come up oh you know started listening hadn't thought about that but now you know now i can't not see it yeah now i can't not see it yeah it is there and our conclusion to this lack of moral center is that everything is wrapped up. This is what you say in situational m- morality. Yeah. That's why it's so inconsistent. Yeah. Cause there is no big picture, right and wrong. There is only what is the right thing to do in the moment, you know? And it isn't even what is the right thing. It is what, what is the thing that I feel like doing? What in is the, the expedient thing? A lot of the time. Yeah. What is the expedient thing? What is the thing that I want to do in the moment? Mm-hmm. It is, there is no, no sort of morality, you know, yeah. it's, it's like we're, we're doing this af- just after the uh, January 6th. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hey, just to be clear, right? in the case, it wasn't clear. Um, the first three episodes of this were uh, recorded before the election of 2020 in America, because we were so, yeah. we decided to take a break because uh, yeah. oh, things were just way too stressful around then but now you know uh trump's gone we're a little more relaxed at least yeah yeah so, say we're at least a little more relaxed and we're not focusing on it all the time by uh no, no, by exactly. doing our sunday shows anymore. exactly so and but i really wonder because then all of a sudden you have all of these people you know going well geez i shouldn't have gone there or yeah. geez i shouldn't have done that well, mm-hmm. you know, and that that in, that includes, you know, the horn guy, the guy yeah, who wears his Viking cap. Yeah, the QAnon well, Viking I, guy. Yeah. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have gone the spiritual leader of the of QAnon. Holy, no. holy. Okay, let's get off that. But it is situational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything has to be done now. Yeah. Everything, everything now. And this is, and whatever I, decision I make right now, it, it that has to be the correct one. It has to be the correct one, and no one and can I, question me about it later. Yeah, no one can question me. I don't want to feel bad about myself, so therefore I am going to create a whole scenario where this was the correct thing to do. Yeah. Not based on anything, not mm-hmm. based on the value of human life, you know? I mean, I could even understand if they killed every friggin' I mean, I might not like it, the but show. if they killed all the bad guys all the time, yeah. which happens. Yeah, it happens <laughs> a lot. They kill a in lot other of shows. People. And there are some kill. shows, you're right, where they just kill everybody. Yeah, the know? bad guys always get it. Okay, mm-hmm. if if that had been consi- consist a consistency, but it wasn't a no. consistency. We've just talked about how it wasn't a consistency. Yeah. No, it seems to be. And I think that that is... Um, I do think that that is part of the portion. Like you have to solve everything now. Yep. Somehow or another, you don't have any guilt about the past. You're not supposed to dwell on the past. Right. Um, that's a, that's a con like I'm going beyond the show because yes. they don't talk about any of this. 
right? They never talk about any of this, but this is how they behave. Mm -hmm. As if the past really has no impact on how impact on your decision making and how you behave afterwards. Which brings us pretty, like, I don't know how you could have managed a smoother segue into our next topic, which is the show can't decide whether serial killers are born or made. Yeah. And it's a show about serial killers. Until season 14. Well, yeah. The, the after the lawsuit. Yeah, after the lawsuit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the real problem is they ha- the show has such an issue with whether serial killers are born or made. Yeah. Right? And that that's like the one thing you need to figure out if you're going to be making a show about profiling is where do serial killers come from? Yeah. You know? What are serial killers? Where do they come from? Like, what is this situation? Like, what is a serial killer? Why does it happen? And I think through all of our research on child abuse, we're pretty comfortable saying that, you know, uh, yeah, they, it comes from child abuse. And now we have said time and again that there are exceptions to this rule. There's they, exceptions to every rule. Pretty much, but. yes. Right? But generally speaking, it is fair to assume that people wind up as serial killers because of monstrous abuse they experienced in childhood. Yeah. Right? Stuff that essentially confuses them about their sexuality, messes them up in a lot of really upsetting ways. You know, <laughs> like punishment issues, punishment um, issues. And it's I, all just, oh. I mean, a- anyway, and I don't think we have to people who are finally getting to this point. We our our opinion on all of this yeah. has been made clear. And I would say that that is one of the clear messages of prodigal son. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you're listening will... to us talk about Prodigal Son uh, as well, because we we love that show and it ans- like it addresses a lot of the stuff Criminal Minds did without you know obviously meaning to. Yeah, it just functions as a response to Criminal Minds. Yeah, but it does have a clear. It has that clear, and and you can see that that is often challenged. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now it isn't always like the idea that child abuse is part of the creation of serial killers. And um, it, as I said, it's, you're challenged, they're challenged sometimes. Yep. And it's hard, it's, but that is the basic fundamental point of the show. Yeah. Right? So, and I mean, in the beginning of this show, it was quite clear. Yep. Right? That they and they did some really good. Go back and listen to our episodes at the beginning. Oh, I know. Too. And it was quite clear that they were talking in terms of children as the product of abuse, like serial killers mm-hmm. were abused. And even when you didn't, when you didn't know, because sometimes they just, you know, there's nothing like like the man who says, "I wasn't abused as a child." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Maybe that's not. You don't want to call it that, but that's what it is. And was. then you get into the whole story of all the ways they were beaten whenever they stepped out of line. And yeah. and then their response will be, that's not abuse. That's just normal how children are raised. And it didn't do me any harm. I'm like, you're a jerk who bullies their own children. Yeah, I think it did do you some harm. Yeah. But they can't, they, they can't see it because it's part of the, the 
making sense of the mean of meaning it's part of survival yeah. right and it sometimes is really hard to all well it's almost impossible to break that plus oh yeah some so much of the abuse happens before there is any ability of the child to process it mm-hmm. right so it's just there as body structures and images and yeah you know there's no thinking about it i mean it's not like children are born being able to analyze what's happening to them nope and so it's very very difficult for them it's why well i know i'm not going to go into any of, i was going to i was going to start down the road down a rabbit hole i'm not going to do that let's just stick with this yeah. right but it it is very clear at the beginning that this is and they talk about it i didn't have complaints um like i'm thinking in the beginning when they were talking and i'm going yeah it's finally they're kind of getting trying trying to get this message out like that's why i started watching it and continue to watch for a while and then we got stuck because this the show was saying look there are all these misconceptions about child abuse yeah you know in fact you know one of the being that it's mostly stranger abuse well it's not no it's mostly family yeah someone or you know yeah within within the circle of people you're familiar with whether that's immediate family whether that's teachers coaches scout leaders you know next door neighbors yeah, you could call it your familia, the, yeah. big, the people who are all influential in how you are raised, the ministers, yes. the priests, the, mm-hmm. you know, the nuns, oh, God. it's not like yep. they didn't as well, you know, um, all of these things are there, mm-hmm. and um, but people don't want it to be so. It's like, say it's not so, Joe, you yeah. know? Um, it is so you don't want to accept it. The society as a whole doesn't want to accept it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no question about that. I mean, I'm not even going to try to justify the society's reaction. You can't because they just, there's enough people. Because if you accept it, then you have to look back on your own childhood. Yeah. And it's very hard to process. You know, there's minor abuse, there's major abuse, but what happens to us as children hunts us all our lives. Yes, because it sets up a Good framework or bad. because it tells us how to view the world. Yes. When you were a child, you were taught what the world is and how to view the world. Mm-hmm. And if you were abused, the whole world is always going to be a hostile place. Or as people say, like, I mean, even when I, I, I will bring up, for example, there was an episode of um, CSI. I bring yeah. it up when, I mean, because they, they, again, they're not worried about all of that exactly. But it is when um, Sarah right. talks at one point and she's talking to Will. She's finally got to talk, but she said, she grew, of course, she grew up in a family. She ended up in the foster care system. Her mother killed her father. Okay. But they fought and they fought and they fought and the rest of it. And she, and, and there was a whole, she's discussing this. And she said, but she said, I thought that's the way all families behave. Mm-hmm. And then I found out it wasn't. Yeah. And what do you do? So, you know, 
because it's the hardest thing in the world to reset normal. Yeah. And the point is, the point is that if your father beat the shit out of you, Mm -hmm. right. Okay. But, but you've been told that you love your father. Yeah. And you You were obligated to love your father. Yeah. You, and this, this, that, and the other thing, and, or you're, and there's other types of abuse who won't even go into the emotional abuse stuff let's just stick with the physical and then all of a sudden somebody's trying to tell you no this is wrong and they're going to take your children away from you Mm -hmm. to reset you have to hate your father yep and that is very hard to do yeah Uh, because you have been all child rearing is quote unquote a form of brainwashing yeah how you are raised well, it's how you making see those, the world. Yeah, it's about making those connections yeah. in the per, in I, the child's yeah. mind. And as you say, that's the exact same thing. That's just what brainwashing is, except it's much easier to do to a child because you're not overwriting anything. Well, you're ra- you're ra- yeah, you're raising a child within the environment yeah. that you raised. You may change some things, but that's that was your first imprinted model mm-hmm. and it it is i listened to a guy this morning talking about um about how um he's tr- he's trying to get people he said he said the term walk a mile in somebody's shoes is most is very very difficult for people to do of course he said it's very difficult he said it's hard they it's hard to wrap your head around all of that. He said, but if you use something concrete, and I think he used the, he said, he said, okay, think about if you are living in this town mm-hmm. and, and, you know, picks the town and then this happens in the town. Well, how would you react to that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then th- that seems to be easier than just saying this blatant walk a mile in somebody's shoes. Because if you've never been abused, like if you've never physically been abused and had to deal with the impact of that and the confusion and everything else about that when it comes from your parents, um, you it's really hard to understand the long-term impact of that. Mm-hmm. It just is. And, and, you know, it's made me sort of be easier on on people who don't understand because that what you have to do is find ways to help people understand that this show on the other hand yes at the beginning right should be well and that's it's kind of fascinating oh well yeah let's get to children of dark in a second but i think it's it's i think the line is that at the beginning the show remembered that actual empathy is an important part of profiling yes Okay, you know? yes. And that drained away over the course of the show. Yeah. Because the, the thing is, um, being a profiler, like the understanding what killers are going to do, you have to, uh, the old adages get inside the head. But what really is, it's that is a form of empathy. I mean, that's what yeah. I always talk about. Uh, the fascinating thing on Hannibal is he is a man who, Will Graham, as presented on Hannibal, is a man who cannot turn off empathy. Yeah. who empathizes with everyone all the time to the point of self-extinction, right? Yes. But it gets rid of himself, and that's that's what he's always dealing with. And likewise, like, that's what profiling should be related to. And the longer this show went on, the less they considered the empathy quotient. Yeah. 
And it just became catching murderers as an exercise. Mm -hmm. And as you're right, it is the most difficult thing to do to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And that's why, as they say, sometimes psychiatrists, you know, commit suicide at a greater level. If you have to, if you don't have a place to go um, and talk about some of what you hear. To let it um, all out afterwards. You know, and it is hard and it is hard. I will tell you when it is hard is when you have, you have a client. Yeah. And that client has done some horrible things. Um, and you have to kind of work sort of through that. And then somebody else finds out what they did mm-hmm. and comes to you and says, well, horrible, that person should be in jail, et cetera, et cetera. And you're sitting there going, well, yes. Uh, if somebody wants to sort of like, uh, wants to do a, you know, wants to report him that, yes, yeah, I fully agree. But I also know what that person's childhood was like. Yeah. And that's where the empathy comes in. And so you understand that. But working through that, and because I was working with people who were dying, right? yeah. it was, and, and there wasn't going to be a possibility to get them into long-term therapy with somebody else, mm-hmm. et cetera, because of the work I did. But the po- point is, right, that yes, there isn't one of them. And they have done some horrible things yeah, uh, to other people. And you just sort of sit there. And go, yes, it's horrible. And then you have to get them to work through some of those sorts of things. Most of them just wanted to confess because they were dying. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this was came out of, I've got to get all of this crap out of my off my chest, all the horrible things I've done. Yeah. And then you so get So you the can childhood. rest in peace. So you can rest in peace. And then, you know, to a place where it's not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are there are little consequences unless I, I don't even know yeah. whether there, there are like, sometimes I still have difficulty dealing with all of those things. I don't think about it much. I don't do any of that. I came to Sault Ste. Marie and said, that's the end. Yeah. I am not no more counseling. counseling. Yeah. No more doing counseling. That's it. I've paid my, I've, I I've paid my dues. I'm done. <laughs> um, because you carry all of those things in your head. I don't care what anybody says. You have heard the worst of humanity, which is when I watch something like this show, I expect it to be consistent and understand that all of these people have demons. Yeah. And this is how they're trying to exercise their demons. Yeah. One and way or another, the terrifying as horrible thing is, as they are. No, and I mean, it sounds it sounds awful to say that what these people are doing in serial killing is trying to get the, the torture they received outside of themselves, but that is what they're doing. They're, largely. It's it's a, it's it's because it's a it's a it's a push to repeat. Yeah. It's a, what we call a repetition compulsion, right? Mm-hmm. Um but and you can you can see it in behavior. You can see it in your if you ever wanted to do it to yourself. You know, you can see it. But that is if you've got those demons or some kind of stuff that you've hidden or the the fact of shifting and changing. Right. Your your viewpoint, um, you can't 
do that on your own. And there are so many people out there who are crappy mm -hmm. <laughs> therapists who can't let you work these things out at your own time. And that's, you know, that's, that's, it's a, it's a long-term process trying to work that out. And this show seems to have forgotten all of that. And it had it at the beginning. Well, I and I mean, it, and now we should talk about some of the interesting examples of that from early in the show. Yeah. Uh, like for, uh, there are two examples of like confronting a guy like this. And one of them is the Iceman episode from the first season. Yeah. Right. Which, where they're dealing with the serial oh. killer. I know. And we get the revelatory message from Hotch that, mm -hmm. and this is where we find out Hotch's backstory is that he was monstrously abused by his father his whole life. He was, he was beaten by his father and he, and I mean, it's always a tragedy that they didn't do more with Hotch and his brother. Yeah. Like the brother that never experienced what a monster their father was because their father yeah. died of a heart attack at age 44 or something. Yeah. You know, because there was just so much rage in him and so much anger all the time. And this this kid who was like six when his dad died and his older brother was like 16 and had no idea how bad the father actually was. Yeah. And, oh, the the, the stuff they could have mined out of that if they had wanted to. But yeah. this isn't as, as we learn from <laughs> Erica Messer. That's not the kind of show this is. No, but I right mean, there, I, if Brunero, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's like, oh, if Brunero had continued, I'm sure we would have gotten stuff like that. Yeah. But what's fascinating about it is, you know, this, this great moment of him saying that it's like, yes, fundamentally, this kind of abuse can create monsters and it can be create people who want to do nothing with their life, but stop monsters. Yeah. And as I say, and it goes to if... Most people, more people are familiar, for example, with alcoholics, Yeah. children of alcoholics. You'll have one child who will never touch liquor. Yeah, exactly. And the other child becomes the drunk. Yeah, the exact kind of drunk their parent was. Yeah. 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 And it's like the. And that's, that's the. It, yeah, not uncommon at all. But it's a, it's a complete analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Children, you know, it, it, it depends. Alice Miller says all they have to do is meet one person. One yeah. person who can who move them onto them a different bad. path. Yeah. yeah. Move them onto a different path. And that helps. Which is why, I mean, and this is why, like, everybody's got to read Alice Miller. Yeah. Because that conversation about meeting one person who can change the direction your life is going in. And then to look at the time that happened on the show with the Anton Yelchin episode. Yeah. Where Reed refused to be that person for someone. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he could have been that He person. could have been that person for Anton Yelchin's character. In the same way that Emily could have been that person for Eddie Cibrian's son. Yeah. And the whole, and I mean, they, so weirdly that happened twice. That they refused to be there for somebody. And Eddie and Cibrian's, like, Anton Yelchin's character tried to kill himself. Maybe he succeeded. We don't know. We never checked in on him again tragically and then uh, eddie cibrian died right we th oh yeah and then of course yeah and in real life died, he died so they so. could never come back and check on him and then eddie cibrian's son uh you know became a murderer and these are people who you know to use alice mindler's framework could have been diverted 
all it would have taken was someone who to listen to them to understand them and to show them that there was a way out they could have been diverted and they weren't because the characters because well let's face it uh because reed is too wrapped up in his own stuff to be able to help anybody else right has has failed to deal with his own stuff you know no one stepped in to help reed and so he doesn't know you know he doesn't know how to help other people and for emily it's just that emily's kind of checked out yeah she really is she feels stuff strongly at the moment but then she goes home and she has a bottle of wine and well i'll just do something else tomorrow yeah you know emily doesn't think long term in that kind of way she really doesn't she's a fascinating character in her own right maybe not on the level of reed but she is but it's like this show got that and it showed opportunities for that and then at the same time you go to the third season where um Hotch and Reed are trapped in the cell when they're doing that little fake version of the famous um, anecdote from Mind Hunter. You know, when he's <laughs> during the three minutes when he's locked up with Ed Kemper during the shift change. Yeah. And he just, and Ed Kemper just sits there looking at him and reminding them that he could do anything he wanted during that three minute shift change. But Ed Kemper is just trying to psych him out and has no intention of hurting him. Of course, because it's criminal minds. The guy really does want to kill these people. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and you get that wonderful speech from Reed about what turns people into serial killers. But then you go back to the show's schizophrenic method. Uh, sorry, method. Uh, schizophrenic view of the world by having him do this wonderful, eloquent speech about why he's a serial killer. And that he didn't have a chance. And that's the problem. The problem is the worldview that he didn't have a chance. Yes. Right? And then the guy even ends the scene asking him, did I really not have a chance? And all Reed can say is, I don't know. Because again, Reed's dealing with his own stuff. But he's... No, but he treats that guy the exact same way he treated Anton Yelchin. That it was a yeah. foregone conclusion that you were going to be a monster. And it just isn't. No, it's not. Well, that's because... Well, yeah, we know we save that for Spencer. <laughs> I know. Well, Spencer we're doing a whole episode about Spencer Reed. Stop we'll talk it. about it during the spin. No, but it's it's in yeah. tune with the show's worldview and it can't decide yeah. what this is. Because you get Children of the Dark that is 100%. The message of the episode is these kids were horribly brutalized their entire childhood by a foster mother who had who who couched her desire to dominate children in religious mania right yep okay and then at the but then at the same the same show one season earlier did the boogeyman about a devil child who killed people for no reason as far as we can tell as far as we can tell because we never got any backstory. We never, uh, the only thing we hear is that his mother left. Yeah. His mother left and his dad is the, you know, uh, local counselor Raises for him. everybody. And he seems to be doing a perfectly good job. So. Yep. What? Yeah. And that's exactly the point. You sit there and go, so have you got any? Yeah. Any consistency here? Absolutely. And that season two, and that was a season two episode. Yeah. Edward was still man. there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, I mean, that inconsistency was pretty early on. Oh yeah. Um, and um, uh, maybe stuff got cut out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we don't know. And again, we have always said that uh, serial killers are uh, made, not born. That is the. That is the. It's what the evidence hill suggests. We're dying on. Not only is it the hill we're dying on, it's what all of the evidence suggests. That is said, yeah. we will always say that there is an exception to every rule. And there are people, there are children who have brain, like chemical imbalances and brain injuries yeah. that make them incapable of controlling, not incapable, incredibly difficult to control their rage. Right? Yes. And a ton of serial killers have that kind of head injury in their childhood. Like, it's not unusual at all if you go into the the bios of serial killers to find, oh, this is when they, like, fell off of a motorcycle. Well, not a motorcycle, but it's like they were in a car accident at age five and they were in a coma for three days and they had brain damage. Like, it's not strange. Unheard of. It's not unheard of at all. It does, It's not always the case, but chemical and physical abnormalities in the brain can do the same kind of damage that child abuse can do. You can have a normal child who, you know drowns for two minutes and comes back different right yeah and comes back quote-unquote wrong that can happen but it's not the norm and it's not how most serial killers are created and then the problem is the show never gets into this issue right? yeah that's yeah that's and if they did and it and again boogeyman that would have been a perfect, perfect opportunity to, to do up. so yeah to, to say, okay, not everything is as clear as we've said before. Mm-hmm. Again, you would be okay, you would be okay with that. Totally. Except that. Well, you know, I mean, we would uh, never mind. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but then, but but basically, I mean, they make these clear statements mm-hmm. about child abuse is the creation of is is the Why predominant creation. Yeah. And then you end up with the boys of Sudworth Place. Oh, my God. And uh, all you have to do is go back and listen to us talk about that. Yeah, that was a rough episode. (laughs) Both of the show and of us having to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, the show that is so utterly wrongheaded about everything. When it's like a show that literally was in a position to show how pedophiles are created. And how yep. they are victims, and most people who are molested, which is a lot of people, will never assault a child. Like the vast majority of people who are assaulted will never assault a child. But fundamentally, there are people who get molested as a kid and think they that this is what it. yeah, they process it and they think this is what sexuality is. Yes. And that is how pedophiles are created. And the fact that the episode Boys of Sudworth Place says that, oh, well, no, you're just born that way. And I, the the villainous pedophile, knew that you, Stevie or whoever, was born that way. And we were exactly the same. That's why you were the most special one to me. And the show goes with that. Yeah, I know. I it was, and well, you can hear us screaming about it. <laughs> yeah, you can hear us screaming about yeah, it elsewhere. Uh, you can go down. Yes, you know, I don't know what episode it is, but but just put in the search bar "Boys of Sudworth Place" and you'll find it. Yeah, because um, it's yeah. one of the most toxic messages the show has ever offered, and that's not a short list. No. <laughs> 
we've already talked about toxic <laughs> so, masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. It's it's kind of it's amazing that they got it that wrong. But it goes down to what the core that the ink as you always say, the inconsistency of what the show is. That we live this is a show that could do both the episode Children of the Dark and the episode Boys of Sudworth Place without understanding why you can't do both of those episodes, like without even knowing that there's any conflict between them. Well, and as I have said, as I have said, I am sure that it was not a criteria for becoming a writer on Criminal <laughs> Minds to have gone back and watched the earlier episodes. I know. You know, no, and you're right. uh, that would have helped. <laughs> that would, that would have helped. You would have had, but then that was not required of you. So why would you do it? Yep. You know, yeah, yeah. I've written for all of these other shows, so I can, I can write, write for, for this show too. Yeah. Why not? You know, if somebody I used to work on me. Ghost Whisperer, why shouldn't I be able yeah. to write for more? <laughs> Ghost Whisperer. It's it's like when we were talking about Prodigal Son, and I said. Uh, and we had one of these 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 episodes full of all of these weird illusions, right? All these these things, and I'm going. I looked at the writers and said, "Ah, they work for Haven." Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, I get. Yeah, one. I understand. They they know what they they know what's what's yeah. expected. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, you know? it's it's frustrating and it's fascinating that it's like you build the world of this show and you end up with this schizophrenic universe where they sew so many things right and so many things wrong and it all ends up existing in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating how it ends up like this. Now, it's it's one of the most interesting shows in a lot of ways just because of what it's cuz it's so hard to pin down what it's trying to say. And I know that you would say, you would, you know, point out that I'm being too overdramatic and it's not trying to say anything, but that doesn't mean it's whether you're, as you said earlier in this very show, whether you're trying to say something or not, you're still saying something. Yeah, that's the point. Whether you mean to or not. And the fact is, I think one of the messages that ends up coming out, right, is that they want to see serial killers as something that is unknowable. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because um, they 50 well, sometimes. Like, well, let's just say that after season five. Yeah, after season five. Right? Because you know? it's so strange. And they always, obviously, there's always a pat thing, right? Oh, well, here's why he did it. Here's the here's the yeah. reason why it came up. They always do come up with a pat explanation for why. I'm not saying and we they don't. get very well, but then then more and more they didn't. But then yes, and then we started to get angry because yeah. look, just give us a reason why. Just give, and that's the key part. You just need to give us a reason. You need to show me that you under that you truly do understand the psychology of this world. Yeah. Right. You understand how people work. If you can convince me of that, you're well, if you can convince me of that, you're prodigal son. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's fundamentally is that is what makes the show so hard to read. And that is why we've had it's been such a challenge for us to do these episodes and to come up with these theories about what the show wants to say is because of this inconsistency at the core of it. From season to season, from episode to episode, children are, you know, killers are born, killers are made from season to season, from season to uh, from episode to episode. It's fine if you kill people or it's, you know, the worst thing you could possibly do to kill someone. Right. Like you can't c- commit suicide, but oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you can. Right. Over and yeah. over. Right. One after another, they throw everything at the wall. And OK, there's, yeah. there's and an, I, it, it yeah. breeds ambivalence is what I'm saying. OK, but please continue. And what I would say is that if you had a show with different people in it, like right. people could say, oh, you're going too far with this. Uh, because after all, you know, it shows and people are inconsistent and the rest of it. And I would go, no, you had this core of people. Yeah. And you still had this, le- these levels of inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Even when you change the odd person. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, it was pretty quick because even Emily yeah. is there and then comes back and then comes back. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, you can't you can't say it's because it's an episode by episode or you ha- bring in all these different characters and the rest of it. No, you had the same characters yeah. and you had to have you have to have every human being, whether they understand it or not, has a an understanding of the world. Yeah. And there's a level of consistency to it. And um, in this show these people don't have no consistency often like there isn't uh, a lack and you don't know enough about them often other than spencer you don't know enough about them to be able to create a reason why they would do x in this case and y in the next case yeah there's no accountability for people um and then there's some accountability every now and then, but it never lasts and we never see any consequences in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's very problematic. It's very problematic, this show. And oh, absolutely. Um, I would assume people are still watching and we still keep getting more people <laughs> who are listening. It's and true. and um, we hope that we can help you deal with the messages. Yeah. And um, as as somebody said, well, yeah, no, th- this has gotten me through the p- pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to it because that person actually did keep their job and was working, but was working nights by themselves. Like, I would assume it was scaled down. So apparently our show was very helpful. <laughs> okay. That's that is very that. good to know. I am, and I am... particularly our Sunday shows, which kept them up with the news. Right? <laughs> yes, of course. Because they would sleep all day. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No, okay. I'm, I'm glad we can help when we can. So yes, that is, that is the, one of the most challenging things for us to deal with. And one of the things we focus on is fundamentally at the core of the show is this inconsistency, right? Yeah. And on two key messages on key on the key, key messages messaging. of what the show is about. Yeah. That's why it's so hard. I mean, and we can criticize individual episodes and we can compliment individual episodes, but the show's problem is that there is no overarching theme. 
episodes have themes, the show doesn't have a theme. And yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. You know? And that's that's a problem at the core of the show. That there's there's no way to talk your way around it. There's no way to explain why that isn't a problem. Because it is. Mm-hmm. It just is. All right. Uh, so next week, we're going to have some fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after all of this uh, after all of this bleakness thank you for joining us for all the bleakness by the way uh, we're coming back for episode 5 of our What is Criminal Minds to talk about Spencer <laughs> Spencer Reed and the concept of meta characters yeah <laughs> we're going to give you a brief primer on the meta characters and it's like what we've learned about the various people uh, in the first probably 10, 15 minutes is going to be the various meta characters and what yeah. they say the characters are in the show with what their actions reveal them to be. And then we're going to see how long we can talk about Spencer Reed for. <laughs> <laughs> I can't predict how long the show is going to be, but uh, yeah, it's it's basically going to be all about Spencer Reed. The most fascinating character on the show. One of the most fascinating characters I'd say in television broadly, because he's just yeah. amazing. He really is an amazing character. And the um, the best part about it is all of the most interesting things about him kind of like happen accidentally and via retcons, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, 80, di- well, not 80, but 50 different writers all act, you know, melded together to create this amazing mess that is Spencer Reed. Yeah. And again, 100%, I would watch Dr. Reed, the show. If you want to Brit <laughs> Matt Goobler, if you want to come back and just do like one of those 10 episode a year prestige shows and it's called Dr. Reed, 100%, I'm there for every episode. We will write it for you if you want. That is how passionate we are. About Spencer Reed as a character. He's he's that oh, fascinating. It, and you're going to hear a lot more about him from us starting next week. Uh, but for okay. now, thanks so much for listening to this. As we work through why the show is so unsatisfying and so interesting. Uh, we will join you back here next week for that. If you have any questions, comments, or anything about the various themes of Criminal Minds you think we should address. Please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Of course, we are going to be back next week. But until then, if you are listening to this on any sort of a podcatcher or podcast app, be sure to rate and review it because that is how people find the show. And of course, I hope you're enjoying our trip through Criminal Minds Korea because we still haven't started watching it in this timeline, but we've already posted all of them by the time you hear this. This is nice and confusing. Uh, maybe. Well, yeah, we'll okay. see. Uh, well, not yeah. all of them, but we'll have at least started it by now. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. So we'll see you back here next week for meta characters and the mystery of Spencer Reed. But until then, we're going to say au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.